From Verge headquarters in Indianapolis, I'm Matt Hunkler with Powder Keg Igniting Startups, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, we talk with an entrepreneur who built an Instagram empire that he started just two years ago while on active duty in the army. Okay, so at this point, um, we're wrapping up in Afghanistan on our way back home. So I'm thinking, all right, well, this is pretty crappy. <laughs> I need to start reevaluating, you know, my life and what I really want and what's really important. The first thing I thought was I needed a mentor, and that's where everything else began. <laughs> that's Luis Garcia, founder of Ambition Media, an agency that drives engagement, influence, and sales using only one social media platform, Instagram. Garcia's ambition and action drove him to build a network of Instagram brands with more than 100 million followers. That's coming up on Powder Keg Igniting Startups, where every week we share the untold stories of innovation, leadership, and technology beyond Silicon Valley. We got some pretty killer news this week. Powder Keg Igniting Startups was featured in an article from Entrepreneur.com, which listed us as one of the best podcasts for entrepreneurs in 2017. So if you're a new listener who found us from that article, welcome. It's a huge honor to have this time with you, and I hope you'll let us know how you like it. You can always find me, your host, Matt Hunkler, on Twitter. That's at Hunkler. That's H-U-N-C-K-L-E-R. But I also love taking conversations to email, so feel free to drop me a line anytime at Matt at vergehq.com. And just let me know how I can help you with your business or your business idea. Your ideas help me pick future guests, topics, and even fine tune our format on the podcast and some of the video content that we're publishing on YouTube, Facebook, and yes, even on Instagram. Thanks to everyone who left us a review this past week and subscribed on iTunes. I want to give a quick shout out to users eWitset, Indie Franchise Law, and Jackal38, all of whom recently left us really thoughtful five-star reviews. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can leave us your honest review by using this link, powderkeg.co slash iTunes. Give us a subscribe while you're at it and we'll be forever indebted to you. It's your reviews, subscriptions, and feedback that help us get better and reach more people. So thank you. This episode of Powder Keg is brought to you by Developer Town. You might know Developer Town as the company that helps entrepreneurs build and launch digital products, but they actually do a lot more. Developer Town uses the same processes that they implement with early stage companies to help big companies move like a startup. It can be difficult for business leaders inside big companies to turn great ideas into real products with traction. Of course, there are a variety of challenges along the way like internal politics, speed, and a little something called technical debt. Now, if you don't know that term, that's totally okay. You might not be a developer. You might not be a product manager, but we've got developer town partner and senior designer, Darren Shapurji here to explain it for us. Larger companies today are running into this issue right now where they've reached what I call critical mass, where they, they can't build any more onto it. And so they say, help, what do we do with this or how do we fix this or what did we do wrong here because sometimes they don't even know what they did wrong they thought they went about it the right way so technical debt is just the building up of, of um, bad code base and foundation and design sometimes this is a problem that a lot of companies face and suddenly they feel completely stuck they don't know how to move forward but developer town can help we take what they made and we either fix the problems that are on their on their technical debt and we'll start a new a new refreshed version of, of that product if it already exists or fix the existing one with a better process on how to solve that so that they don't find themselves in, in that situation again. Do you work at an enterprise that is in a similar situation? Well, Developer Town knows how to get you out of that with years of experience doing this very thing. If you have a product strategy problem, if you have a design problem, if you have a development problem, Developer Town can help. So please visit them at developertown.com slash powder keg. Again, that's developertown.com slash powder keg for more information. Developer Town, start something. 
Our guest today is Luis Garcia, founder and CEO of Ambition Media. His three personal Instagram accounts alone have more than 6 million followers at the time of this recording, and they collectively drive more than 30 million impressions a week. You can find Lewis at Law of Ambition on Instagram. Again, that's at Law of Ambition on Instagram, which is actually the only platform you'll find him on. Uh, and you'll also find him on his company website, ambitionmedia.co. Today, Lewis and I talk about going from being frustrated and alone in Afghanistan to becoming an Instagram phenom with a powerful group of mentors. We're going to learn about the strategy that Lewis uses to connect with influential entrepreneurs and brands like Gary Vaynerchuk and Nike. You're also going to learn how you can use Lewis's effective tactics to connect with just about anyone, regardless of status, regardless of wealth or accessibility. We're also going to share the previously undisclosed Instagram strategies that Lewis used to build his personal accounts to more than 6 million followers. We're going to talk about work ethic, sleep, and Lewis's crazy entrepreneurial story that started on the streets of Philly. Lewis, thanks so much for being here, man. I'm super excited to talk to you about what you've done with your business. Obviously, we want to get into how you got 6 million plus followers on your Instagram accounts and how you're getting the engagement that you're getting, you know, getting 30 million impressions weekly. But first, I want to talk a little bit about where you're from, where you got, how you got to where you are. So where did you grow up? First, thanks for having me here, Matt. Um, Absolutely, man. Yeah, I grew up in uh, North Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Right in the center of the ghetto. <laughs> it it was definitely an experience growing up there. I mean, it's taught me a lot. Um, one thing I never forget where I came from. What did your parents do? How did you end up uh, in North Philly? My parents, well, my grandparents came from Puerto Rico. Cool. And my mom was a medical assistant. She actually got pregnant with me um, at a very early age when she was around 15. That right there started us off you know, kind of depending on my grandma. And she didn't speak too much English at all. So coming from Puerto Rico, she only knew enough to get her by. And she worked as a uh, cafeteria lady at one of the uh, elementary schools out there. My uh, mom, she began getting into school, whatever, trying to finish out school and eventually became a medical assistant. Wow. My Yeah, and my, uh, my real father ended up getting time in prison when she was three months pregnant by me or oh my gosh with me um so i didn't really have a relationship with him growing up but my stepfather um kind of played a part in there and picked up where he left off it's you know in a sense yeah that makes a lot of sense when you look back at your childhood are there things that you can point to that were maybe glimmers of the entrepreneurial spirit that now drives what you're doing with ambition media Oh, yeah, absolutely. I actually have a crazy story. Oh, yeah. um, Let's hear it. So back in elementary school, I used to go to John Walsh Elementary School in uh, North Philadelphia. And what we did was we would sell like, you ever seen crazy balls from the corner store? Yeah. Like you put in a quarter and, you know, turn a little thing and a little bouncing ball comes out where you can just throw it and it goes crazy all over. Sure. So what we did was we would go to the corner store uh, um, after school every day and we would go buy out all of the balls that were there. And we would in turn sell it for a dollar instead of a quarter to make a 75% profit. No way. Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> so we started that off. Um, how how old were you while. at the time? I was probably 10 years old, like 10, 11 years old. And it was, it was strictly to, do you remember what you wanted the money for? I wanted gummy worms. <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> That's exactly man. what I wanted. I was like, you know what? I want gummy worms. I can't afford it. I don't have like lunch money like the other kids. I only have like a couple quarters um, that maybe like my grandma gave me or something. She would give me like a dollar every time I came and saw her. Um, so I would take that and I would go to the corner store, buy the last you know, a few balls that I could because everyone loved it. It was in demand. That's when I began learning about supply and demand, I guess. <laughs> uh, and I just started selling them for a dollar. And then I wanted a pretzel and the school started distributing pretzels. North Philadelphia is known for their pretzels as well. When they would sell pretzels, it would be for a quarter of pretzel. So I would wait closer to like 2.30 at the end of the day 
when everyone was about to be on their way home and there was a limited amount of pretzels left, like, I don't know, 10 pretzels left. So I would just go downstairs after selling all my crazy balls, take the profit and go buy pretzels and then resell the pretzels while everyone's leaving to go home after school. And I sold that for a dollar a piece as well, which is insane. That's so great, man. With, with crazy <laughs> markups too, I, I imagine. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, my, my mom actually thought I was stealing her money and I was like, no, mom, this is what's going on. <laughs> I'm actually selling things at school and it, it was just an insane moment in my life. I guess that's really what began my entrepreneurial side. That's so great, man. One of our, our previous guests uh, in episode eight uh, is Jordan Weirs, and, and he did the same sort of thing when he was a kid, buying model airplanes and trading them up for better model airplanes. Then eventually he was buying and selling real planes and helicopters. Um, and it's, it's just a crazy story that when you look at some of the most entrepreneurial people out there, you know, hustling, building amazing companies, you can usually trace their entrepreneurial spirit back to when they were a kid. So it's, it's cool that uh, that gene definitely showed up in your childhood. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it started off with wanting gummy worms and <laughs> gummy worms and pretzels to, you know, me selling cars and sneakers to then me selling, you know, entrepreneur products and real estate courses and then transitioning now where I'm selling social media ads and stuff. So it's definitely been a crazy ride. Well, so what drives you now? What is it still sort of getting that next thing? Is it still getting, are you trying to buy 10 million pretzels now? Or <laughs> what, what's the thing that you're passionate about uh, attaining with your business? I mean, it might be a pretzel company. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can't rule it out, <laughs> but, right? Uh, what drives me now is the fact that I'm mature enough to understand the world and the way it works. And growing up where I did, I kind of realized like, okay, well, we didn't have the greatest things, but we made, you know, the greatest times out of the least things. And now it's just, I want to give so much more back to my family. I want to give so much more to my kids. I have two daughters now, so I'm just trying to build the best life I can for them. So one, they don't never have to go back to kind of struggling the way that we did growing up where, you know, they're worried about the electricity being cut off or, they're, you know, getting evicted or something like that. Now they can just focus on school and their priorities and their passions because of what I've done and what I'm doing now. I mean, I think the most successful people, I mean, you can go back to their core and figure out that they just want to provide a better life for either themselves or their family or someone else. You just want to provide a better ways of life. And I mean, the only way to do that is by working and creating results for others. It's one thing to have drive, but it's another thing to learn discipline and the fundamentals, not only learning the fundamentals of business, but the fundamentals of motivating yourself and taking action um, and doing the work every single day. I know that there was a gap in your entrepreneurial journey where you went and were deployed to Afghanistan. Talk to me about joining the army. Oh, man. So, yeah, speaking of discipline and stuff, I was not the most disciplined child growing up. <laughs> I would run around crazy and just do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted kind of thing. And I was kind of getting used to that. Um, I started becoming lazy. During the end of my high school year, I actually failed 12th grade twice, which is insane. Oh my gosh. Um, and it wasn't more that I just didn't have the intelligence. It was more so me just not going to class because I wasn't learning the things I wanted to learn. I wasn't interested in the curriculum. Um, so I just went off and I learned so much more growing up on the street than I did inside school that contributed to my entrepreneurial success. You know, emotional intelligence played a huge factor in that learning people. But, you know, fast forwarding a little bit, I was senior year. Um, I finally graduated and I was like, all right, I tried to join the Marines the first time a Marine recruiter came to um, my high school when I was in 11th grade and I tried to join the Marines. And because I failed that year, I couldn't join on time. So then I backtracked, I tried again. And at that point I had a tattoo on my chest and they weren't giving out waivers at that time. So <laughs> I kind of like let that dream go a little bit and you know started looking for other avenues. And I started flipping sneakers and stuff. And then I finally graduate and I was like, all right, I need to get out of North Philadelphia. 
And there was a lot of personal things going on at that time where uh, I didn't grow up in the best area. So a lot of my family members were locked up. A lot of my friends were, you know, getting shot or being locked up. So I, was, I needed to get out of that environment at that time. Did you so, feel kind of like um, a fight or flight sort of instinct to get out of there and, and find that next thing? Absolutely. Um, my only thought process for that entire year before I left to the Army was I need to get out of here because there's nothing left for me here and everything's going down the drain. So at that point, it wasn't even I need to go find this thing that's going to inspire me and get me disciplined and get my mind right. It was more I've just got got to get myself out of this environment and I've got to get to a place where I can get a clear head and get some focus. <clears throat> my train of thought was there's nothing here. If I want to succeed, it's not here. Mm. My the, the thing that I need to catapult me into the next level is not here. I'm going to either end up dead or in jail or working, you know, 30 years at McDonald's. And I don't want to do either of those. <laughs> I don't like being restricted to the things I can do. I don't like having a cap on the amount of revenue I can bring in. Um, I like to have more control of my life than giving someone else that control, which is kind of ironic seeing is that I went into the military, but I did go into the military because I felt like it was my escape goat from where I was to push me into the next level. Um, so I joined the military and I started learning things like discipline, leadership, courage. So February 2014, we deployed to Afghanistan. I was in 101st Airborne Division at 2nd Battalion 2502. So we deployed to Afghanistan and I was there for about nine months and being there was definitely a life experience. It kind of changed and shifted my entire mindset to what really was important in life and what mattered and what didn't matter. So at that point, what mattered was surviving. Surviving and getting back to my family and not having to put myself or my family through something like that again. So it's really hard and difficult for not just me, but my family to deal with me being away, me being overseas, me putting myself in those positions putting them through that stuff, I don't want to do again. I, I have this thing where I can endure as much pain as possible, whether it's like, you know, struggling financially or struggling um, just with life in general. But if I put my family member or a friend in that position for me, then it affects me a lot deeper. And I, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to do that to my children. I don't want to do that to my fiance or anyone else. Now it's just like, all right, I'm in Afghanistan. We're dealing with stuff on a day-to-day -day basis. Obviously, you can tell we're still, you know, I guess semi at war, if you want to call it that. So I decided I needed to make a change in the decision in my life to take more control of my destiny. Right. Because I was like, I'm not going to die out here in on a mountainside or whatever. It's like I need to go back to the United States and take care of my life and my family. And before you came back to the United States, what were what was one of the best lessons you learned about leadership or discipline? Leadership, I've learned what good leaders were like. I learned what bad leaders were like. And they both taught me how to be great leaders. With leadership, I mean, influence. That influence you have as a leader is so powerful and people don't realize these things. That influence can make or destroy a company. It can make or destroy a person. It's just so powerful. And people, I think, overlook that when they get put in leadership positions. And it's so easy. I mean, it's so easy to destroy anything with bad leadership. So easy. It becomes a cancer in a sense where you're just being negative and then everyone starts catching your negative vibes and it just starts spreading throughout your company. Um, so, so you really learned uh, through the military that, that that role of leadership, just how impactful that role of leadership is, that you can drive massive positive change, uh, but also you have the power to drive negative change and create negative downward spirals as well. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's a really just, good insight. Yeah, that the military has definitely done a lot for me when it comes to discipline. When it, I mean, I've always been a confident person, but having those life experiences and going through that mm -hmm. definitely boosted my confidence. So anything I go into, I'm 100% certain of what I'm doing. If I'm not certain, I do it with 100% certainty anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> Was there one leader uh, in the military that, that you really looked up to and learned from? Yeah, actually, um, Staff Sergeant Pierce. I think he's uh, Sergeant First Class now. He was pretty young, um, extremely intelligent, extremely smart, extremely sharp. 
and he was my squad leader at a time and just kind of speaking to him and learning from him and understanding that there's better leaders in the army. And he was definitely one of those guys, as long as you were doing the right thing and you didn't do anything to jeopardize your integrity, the integrity of the company or, you know, the army, he would go to bat for you no matter what it was. Hmm. He was right there behind you every step of the way. So he definitely taught me how powerful that support and influence was. And then I, I took that into everything else I did moving forward. That word influence says a lot about you and the narrative of your own life, uh, especially with what you're doing now uh, with Instagram and the influence you've created there. You learned that important lesson about influence in the military and you decided you had to get yourself home and get yourself to your family. How did you make that happen and what were you moving towards at this point? Okay, so at this point, um, we're wrapping up in Afghanistan on our way back home. So I'm thinking all right, well, this is pretty crappy. (laughs) Um, So at that point, I'm thinking this is pretty crappy. I need to start reevaluating, you know, my life and what I really want and what's really important being there, you know, having that time overseas away from family and not just away from family, but in a good way, able to clear my mind of all the noise in our environment back home kind of got me thinking to what I needed to do. So the first thing I thought was I needed a mentor and that's where everything else began. <laughs> yep. I need, I need a mentor. I need someone who's been through the ropes, who's done what I want to do at a higher level at a higher frequency and get around those types of people. And uh, where did you find that mentor for you? That first mentor? Well, I was in Afghanistan, so <laughs> there wasn't really, you know, many CEOs around that I could just walk up and talk to at that time. Sure. Um, so what I did was I did have my phone at a point and we had Wi-Fi when we were transitioning back. So I started looking around on Instagram because I didn't really jump on Facebook too much. I didn't really jump on any other social platforms. So I was just primarily on Instagram. It was easy to use. I just like scroll through pictures and find people or whatever. What year so, was this? Uh, this was 2014. Okay. I mean, I've had Instagram prior to that, but I really started jumping into it in 2014. Okay. Um, so just two years ago. Yeah, just two years ago. Wow. My entire thing has been over the last year, really, I've catapulted into a different different phases in my life throughout this last year, but it began in 2014. There I am looking on Instagram, trying to find out um, who's successful. And then I, I had to bring it back home and think, well, what am I even good at? What do I want to do? Everything led to networking and I guess just sales and marketing and meeting other people. And I loved, like, I could build a relationship with anyone. You put me in a room and we're having a conversation in less than two minutes um, about something relatable to the both of us. How do you find that in a conversation? Um, Can you break down a little bit what you do uh, I'm guessing you do naturally after uh, all the years of selling uh, Super Bowls and uh, and pretzels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, anything. It can be anything. So this is where emotional intelligence really plays a huge factor in this. Um, growing up in North Philadelphia, you have to have that. You have to understand how people move, how pe- reading body languages, um, reading between the lines when people speak to you and kind of figuring out what the real message is. Mm. Um, so, I mean, if, if me and a guy are just sitting there, obviously if he has a ring on, he's married. Let me, you know, talk about relationship stuff. Maybe he's going through stuff. Every married, every guy goes through stuff in relationships. It doesn't matter who you're with is if you're with anyone for a long period of time, you're going to go through stuff. So that's an easy groundbreaker right there. But laughing, laughing always does it. <laughs> it doesn't matter what situation you're in. If you can make someone smile and laugh, then you're in. Yep. In my opinion, I think no matter what background you come from, laughing is just one of those universal things. Absolutely. So, you got any go-to jokes? No, I actually don't tell jokes. I just laugh at like, you know, maybe a situation we're in. So yep. in the army, we go through a lot of what we call the suck, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're sucking and we're going through like a ruck march or if we're, you know, 13 miles in on something, you can just start laughing about it. It's it's the strangest thing, but it's a completely different culture. You can just start laughing about, you know, going through the pain or whatever. Because, I mean, at that point, you just embrace it. You're just like, okay, this is going to suck, whatever. Let's just embrace it and make the best out of it. So that kind of 
the army kind of instilled a better sense of perseverance uh, for me as well. So when I go through anything now, I just laugh it off. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that, that's it. And whenever I'm with someone else, we just laugh things off regardless of what it is. Um, and I just build a relationship from there. I mean, it's it's always been natural for me. I don't have any go-to punchlines to give you any, you know, sure. go-to introductions. It's just naturally being able to understand how people think and how people feel that gets me to where I need to be and gets me into that conversation. And it sounds like your willingness to share first or laugh first really helps set the tone with a new relationship. Absolutely. I think you going first brings in vulnerability and makes the other person feel a little bit higher in a sense or a little bit more comfortable with, you know, saying whatever they wanted to say on that's on their mind. I love that. I love that. So how did that translate to Instagram as you're in Afghanistan <laughs> using your phone to check out and, and see what Instagram's all about. How did you reach out to that first person? What made you reach out to that first person? Oh, I reached out to millions of people. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized um, early on that I, if I wanted to get anyone's attention, I would have to add value to them. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know you hear a lot of successful people say something similar along those lines where you have to add value. And I believe in that 100%. Anyone that I've ever tried to reach out to, anyone I've ever worked with, knows that in the beginning of our relationship, there was a point where I had, I added value before I asked for anything. You have to give before you ask, right? So what I would do is search on Instagram for any and everyone in real estate and any sort of like successful business. And I say real estate because I started off with a, <clears throat> a real estate guy um, early on. And I kind of reached out to everyone and he was one of the people that responded to me. So what I did was I started figuring out problems these guys were having and solving them on my own time because they don't have the time to solve these problems. They're running, doing a million things every day. So but all you had biggest, was time, right? Exactly. All I had was time. Um, I, I would find the biggest pain points, the three biggest pain points every person had on my hit list. That's what I call it. And I get that from a, <laughs> I get that from a book called. Um, the Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Oh, that's a good and one. His, yeah, his daughter Amanda Holmes is a good friend of mine. She's an amazing person as well. Um, and I actually met her after reading the book, which is insane. Oh, crazy. I reached out to her. Yeah, so she became part of my like initial hit list, and we built up a good relationship. So she's an amazing person as well. But I definitely started off reading that book, which kind of helped me out. Obviously, I read you know the normal books. Um, rich dad, poor dad and stuff. But I began finding a hit list and began finding pain points with every person on my hit list. Um, and the first pain points I found was people needed marketing. People needed a platform to speak on because everyone has an idea. Everyone has a great company, but they just don't have the marketing there to excel that company. Mm. Or maybe they do have the marketing there, but they don't have the social platform or the social presence and influence there. And that's kind of where I started beginning my Instagram journey. So, and it, it was just funny, even more funnier than that. Um, Periscope, when Periscope came out as well, is what really pushed me to the next level. So Periscope comes out um, and all of these mentors and people on my hit list started jumping onto Periscope and no one else was on it. So it was the perfect opportunity for me to jump right in there and start creating a platform of my own to stand out on. Mm. Um, so whenever anyone was on a Periscope video, and I tell this story all the time, and people are like, Jesus, that's, an, that's genius. Like, how did we didn't think of that? So <laughs> what I did was I jumped on Periscope, and anytime any influencer was on Periscope, um, I would go in their thing, and I wouldn't speak to them directly. I didn't care about them at the time. I cared about everyone in that room with them. Mm. So what I did was instead of focusing on the speaker, I focused on the audience. And what I did was build a relationship because the speaker can't get to every single question, can't comment back to every single person. And now I have like the fastest thumbs in the world thanks to Periscope and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> what I did was I started messaging people who were messaging the speaker and kind of answering questions for them, introducing myself, saying hi to them, especially if we started um, seeing each other a lot in different rooms and pretty often you know, we started building up relationships and then we would build up relationships outside of Periscope. But when I started doing that, 
my going and my plan was to get everyone in the room to say my name, right? Because <laughs> if I have everyone in the room saying my name, one, that instills credibility for me, and two, the speaker sees my name a million times going across the chat room and is trying to figure out who in the world is this guy ambition. So <laughs> I that love was it, like man. my that's, Periscope name. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So do you still do that on Periscope? No, God, no. I'm, I'm like way down the road from that now. So starting off on Periscope, that was my whole plan. And again, my name on Periscope was Ambition. And then I started wanting to brand that name and brand that word Ambition after like millions of random people started coming up to me and it was just like, hey, Ambition. And I was like, who are these guys talking to? I don't know who Ambition is. <laughs> and then I kind of like started catching on. Okay, they're referring to me or whatever. And it, it started becoming like a thing. So I started branding the name Ambition um, in different ways. Started off with like Ambition Live, and then it started translating into Law of Ambition, what it, which it is what it is now, hmm. um, and now Ambition Media, and so on and so forth. But doing that, it kind of had the speaker, whoever the speaker was, whether it was a multimillionaire or whether it was a lower level influencer, they all knew my name because I targeted the audience instead of targeting them. So instead of having that just one shot at mentioning their name and ho hoping them to see my name, I would just have millions of chances for everyone to mention my name and them to see my name. And doing that opened up so many opportunities for me. I mean, I, I've had countless offers to move to different parts of the states and work for different people, amazing people. And, you know, fast forwarding a little bit more, I started gaining um, influence on Periscope. And I and I, I only did like two, three Periscopes in my life. <laughs> and they, they weren't even long at all. But I had like 2,500 followers, which was like amazing for the first beginning stages of Periscope. Yeah. Um, and whenever I shouted any room out, it filled up with almost... 75% of those followers. So it wasn't just, you know, me putting it out there to 2,500 people and one person showing up. This was a solid, loyal fan base. We jumped ahead a little bit, and I would love to take maybe a step or two back when you're just kind of discovering Instagram, because I, I think that those early moments are some of the most pivotal moments. And a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, even if they have huge influence on email or huge influence um, just with their brand in general, they can't always get over that first hump of Instagram and making it work for them and for their business in a way that creates value. Can you maybe baby step me through that story of being on Instagram, reaching out, trying to add value? Because we, do, we didn't get to that pivotal moment where things kind of clicked and the scale started to tip for you. Well, it was actually a balance between Periscope and Instagram at that point. Okay. Because I was reaching out to everyone and Instagram, it was like my go-to platform to find these people. And then Periscope kind of like catapulted me into the next phase where it was like, okay, well, I'm building relationships with these people. Uh -huh. And I brought that back to Instagram. So I didn't stay on Periscope and just run with Periscope. I brought that back to Instagram. Um, and the way I did that was or even before that. So here's here's the biggest point um, or pivotal point. While I was on Instagram and then us transitioning into Periscope, everyone on Periscope was just randomly there. You couldn't really interact with them like you could on Instagram, right? Yeah. So I couldn't just jump into a chat room with someone on Periscope. I, I would have to do that on Instagram. So the influencers that I was working with at the time wanted to bring everyone into one platform. <clears throat> so I found a, a chat group on on the App Store or whatever, um, and we created a community of free <clears throat> 3,000. It started off with 3,000 initially, and it went up to like 6,000 loyal people who were there 24-7. Wow. <clears throat> so I didn't understand how powerful that was at the time. And now it's like mind-blowing to me that I was able to do that. Um, and we're not just talking a regular Facebook group. We're not just talking um, an email list of something. We're talking three to 6,000 dedicated people working on the same platform at the same time, conversating with each other, building up genuine relationships and networking anywhere from beginning entrepreneurs to multimillionaire CEOs. Wow. So, and they were all on one platform. And I didn't understand how powerful that was. But, you know, I was just going with the motions and just trying to build up as many net, um, 
relationships as I could and networking with everyone that I could and introducing people who I thought needed to meet each other and adding value there and just continuing going forward. But then I started realizing, well, maybe I need to translate this into Instagram. So I started pushing them back on Instagram and having everyone follow me. I would have everyone exchange um, their social platforms and all their information. But doing all these things, I started creating a brand name for myself and I didn't realize it. Hmm. Remember, I, I had no idea what entrepreneurship was at the time. I, I wasn't even thinking about you know all the possibilities at that point. I was just thinking I needed to find a mentor. I needed to add value to these people and I need to create my own platform to push on. And I need to build those relationships. That's all I was thinking. I wasn't thinking, you know what? I'm going to sell all these guys a $300 product and make a million dollars at the end of this year. <laughs> yeah, that, Which, I, I think that's the right way to think about it, though. Clearly, it worked out for you. Absolutely. But m most people would have thought, you know what? Let me sell them something. Let me sell them something. And I get that all the time. Why don't you have a product? Why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? Well, it wasn't about the product. You don't have to sell everyone all the time. Hmm. What you need to do is build relationships all the time because people push people forward. Products don't push people forward. People push people forward. So you need to build up those relationships because maybe later on down the line, I will have a product. Maybe I will have a company and I can use this solid support. Maybe they'll be become a part of my company at that time and then I have a great company of full of great employees and amazing employees from every side of the world doing amazing things. So what I had in mind was just adding value, right? So let's go back to the Instagram part. I started working with a mentor uh, who I reached out to and reached back out to me and I started getting more involved with him on Periscope, which translated into me running his Instagram account. Mm. And this was like that pivotal moment that I think you're looking for. So me starting to manage his Instagram account got opened up my mind to the amount of influence out, influencers out there and how Instagram worked with ads and sharing um, and how Instagram engagement worked. And I started looking at Instagram as a business versus just a social platform to network on. But that was definitely a pivotal moment. And yeah, so I started doing sales. And then that's when things got a little, you know, tricky because now it's like, all right, this is not just Instagram, bro. This is you, this is an actual company, actual revenue being generated and profit. And I was still transitioning out of the army at that time. Um, actually, I was actually in a phase where I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I need to get out the army. Or if this doesn't work out, I need to reenlist because I can't have my family going to nothing. Hmm. You know what I mean? So that, that, that had to be pretty moment, motivating. Yeah, it was definitely motivating. I mean, we would work 16 hour days in the army easy mm -hmm. daily from monday through friday 16 hour days if we're in a field problem then i was working you know three a month at a time three weeks whatever a week in a field and around that time i had to find time for social media and everything else so while i'm working 16 hour days i find time to still and this is you know a piece where everyone who says they don't have enough time you don't prioritize your time correctly that's what it is so it's all about your priorities. While I was working in the army, where we're talking about, I was in the infantry, so I'm working in the field all the time. I'm downrange, I'm training my guys, my guys are training me. Like There's so much going on in the military to then when I leave work at seven o'clock at night, go into straight Instagram influencer mode and just start doing sales, start building relationships, networking until four in the morning. Wow. And then having to go to PT the next day and you know, work out in the morning for a few hours and then go on my 16-hour military day. Hey, so, what, what time was PT in the morning? PT, I had to be at my place at 545. So we'd start PT like 6 o'clock, 630. So, uh, so you'd be <clears throat> basically sleeping 4 a.m. to 530 a.m. Oh, my uh, God, yeah, power naps. Power naps <laughs> got me through everything. Wow. Uh, and so what I would do is I would take a power nap right before work, and then I would take a power nap at – uh, breakfast time. So I would eat something really quick and try to take like a 30 minute nap and then go back into the rest of my work. And then noon came where it was lunchtime and I would eat really quick and then try to take another like hour nap if I had the time for it. And then just pushing through my day like that. So power naps really, power naps really got me through the last, you know, stretch of my army career. Yep. I've been there, man. So while you're doing this, you're building mastery on how to use Instagram for business give me a crash course power course on Instagram. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you learned as you were growing these accounts? Oh, man, so many like great things I could tell you right now. 
the one thing I can tell you is you have to respect your followers. Mm. If you don't respect your followers, then you're not going to grow. You're not going to learn anything. Tell me how you respect them. How do you respect your followers? Well, one, you have to engage with them and give them what they're asking for. You can't just, you know, if I have a page and people follow me for quotes, I'm not just going to change it to a cupcake page. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's one thing. I'm also not going to, you know, spam my page with ads where p- people hate that. You you don't watch a TV channel to see commercials all day. No one does that at all. People, I hate when I'm getting interrupted on an hour-long movie and I've got – 10 three minute commercials in between that's, that's why worst. everyone live streams right that's why everyone uses like netflix and stuff like that because people hate being interrupted by ads yep even though you know i understand that's the way to generate revenue and everything else but people hate that so you have to respect your followers to not give them ads to not give them low quality ads as well where it's like get rich quick overnight you know what i mean sure so Everyone hates that. Pay a dollar today and now I'm going to get rich overnight. Or, hey, take these pills and your brain power is going to increase. Or freaking like just just crazy pseudoscience stuff or like anything like that at all. So you can't bombard your followers with these things. How do you get the followers in the first place? So you've got to respect your fans and you've got to engage them. How do you get them to engage with you in the first place? So you have to post things that are relevant to people's lives. So, for example, you're not going to post Valentine's Day on 4th of July. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. So (laughs) you have to post things that are relevant to people's lives. And that's where you start off. So a a big thing that we do, we have a lot of quote accounts, um, motivational quote entrepreneurial accounts. And the reason why we do that is because obviously Steve Mayer is a huge serial entrepreneur. And he has all the experience. What I what I don't like is people who come on and tell you about things they've never experienced. I want to hear your experiences. I want to hear from you personally. Tell me what you've gone through in life that's made you create that decision that you made today. I don't want to hear about other people's experiences. So what I do and what we do is we talk about our experiences. So if there's something going on in Steve's company or my company or someone else's company, we bring those lot things to life on our pages. Or we just talk about things in a moment because it doesn't always have to be business, right? It can be things that you resonate because not everyone's a CEO. Not everyone is in startup mode. Everyone's like, well, what is my passion? What am I good at? What do I do now? So we relate to those things like, hey, I've been there too. I've been lost before too and this is what I did. Maybe this can help you. So that's how you add value. So that's a big thing. You add value to your followers and they'll follow you. And once they follow you, their followers will see that and – if it adds value to them, if they resonate with it, then they're going to follow you too. And then just being consistent, creating unique posts, creating authentic posts, all of these things play a part. I mean, there's so many variables that play a part, but adding value is the biggest thing and respecting your followers. Occasionally you see these newer Instagram accounts uh, or brands that are just trying to get on Instagram and they're, they're just following massive amounts of people. Is that an effective strategy? No, I don't like that strategy. Um, and here's why. When... You see someone following a thousand, two thousand people, right? And they follow you. You don't feel as special. You don't feel as important. You know what I mean? So it's like if everyone can have it, I don't want it. Yep. But if I'm only following fifty people, and the next person I follow is you, out of the millions of followers that follow me, you're gonna feel a lot more special about that. You know what I'm saying? That, so that makes a lot of sense. It's it goes right back to respect your followers. Exactly. So if I'm going to follow someone, I want my audience to understand that they're going to add value. Whoever I'm following is going to add value to you because they add value to me. I don't want to just follow everyone for no reason. I want you to understand that you can come to my page for everything. You can come to my page for motivation, entrepreneurship, lifestyle. You can come to my page to find other entrepreneurs who are killing the game and other either millennials or I mean, generation what Y, Z, X, all of, all of these things. Um, you can find all of these guys on my page who are crushing the game. Not just a regular, I mean, you might find ones and twosies, but it's mostly just other people you can follow to get more volume. I also see a lot of people that are using hashtags to gain likes and maybe inevitably some follows. Talk to me about that strategy. Why are people using that and, and what's the right way to do it and what's the wrong way to do it? 
Okay, so there's multiple things you can do on Instagram. Instagram has like multiple different tips and tricks. Um, so I, I know you see some people using hashtags, some people like using certain locations, some people um, engaging with their audience in a certain way at certain times. So the reason why is you have to think how people think, right? So if you're using a hashtag, you want to use a hashtag that people are searching for. You don't want to use like whitewall.com slash uh, Nikon camera. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because no, no one's going to follow that. No one looks for that. That's, that's ridiculous. You want to use simple, effective hashtags that have to do with your brand and your goals. So for me as an entrepreneur, one of the main hashtags that I use is entrepreneur, right? And then I want to brand ambition. So I throw ambition on there. And that's another thing that gets involved with entrepreneur. So when you have to find relatable words for your brand and your goals. So if I'm an entrepreneur, I want to bring in anyone looking for motivation, anyone looking for inspiration, anyone looking for entrepreneurship, anyone looking for ambition, anyone looking for success, because that's what all these people look for. And these are relatable words to my brand and my goal. So that's how you use those. And then you find the words that are most effective and are looked for the most for your brand and your goal. And then that's how you target them. Unless you're just trying to build up a following and you really don't care, then obviously you want to just find the most engaged hashtags in the world. But that makes a lot of sense. As you're going and finding new people to connect with and to get them to um, be a relationship and forge a relationship, how are you um, identifying those people? And then how are you engaging with them on Instagram? Uh, so these people that I identify, um, I mean, I, it started off from the first person that I got involved with sure. and then it was like, all right, well, who's his social influence or who's his circle of influence? So who does this guy follow? Okay. He follows these three people. So let me follow these people. Okay. Who do they follow? Cause the ultimate goal is to create a circle, a success circle, people who are all successful in their own way because you can learn something from everyone, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're, again, I'm sure you hear this all the time. People use this all the time. If you're, if four of your friends are millionaires or successful, you're going to be successful. You're going to be the fifth. So I use that as well. I find everyone that they're in relation to and I'm like, all right, well, is this in line with any of my goals? Okay, well, let me add this guy to my circle of influence. All right, is he aligned with any of my goals? Okay, let me add him. And what can I do to provide value to both of these guys? All right, well, this guy doesn't have that many followers on Instagram. All right, well, let me give him a shout out or two. Cool, now it's gonna get his attention, he's gonna get followers, he's probably gonna hit me up and say thanks. All right, cool, that's my end to build a relationship. That's, it goes back to the give value first and then build a relationship later. Exactly. Now, in order for that to be effective, you can't just have 200 followers and him have 500,000 and you expect him to see that, right? Because yep. it doesn't add that much value. So you need to leverage something else. So, And you have to figure out what that is. What resources do you have in your control that you can leverage to get his attention or get her attention or whoever, whoever it is? Um and a lot of people think, well, I don't have any resources. You have the ultimate resource in the world if you feel like you don't have any resources, and that's time. You have time. And time can be your biggest resource. It's your biggest asset. So use that time to figure things out. Use that time to solve some of his problems and then add, use that to add value to him in order to gain a relationship or put your foot in the door with someone. Even if, it, even if it's not him, I started at the CEO and work my way down all the time. So... If it's not him, move down to the next person in charge and then move down to the next person in charge. Eventually, someone's going to catch on and then you work your way back up the ladder. I, I love the the methodical approach to it and, and maybe not even reaching out first to the influencer, but finding those people that are in that person's circle of influence and working your way in that way. It's a really good uh, it's a really good strategy. And I've heard other entrepreneurs you know, deploy this strategy in other areas outside of Instagram um, which is a good segue to talk to me about how Instagram ties to the outside world. You know, what, what good is a like to me in my business? What good is a follow to me in my business? When all you got is the exit link in the profile uh, on Instagram, you can't even put links in the comments. Why would you want to engage with this platform? Right now, our entire generation is transitioning to social media, right? So 
the amount of people who viewed even desktop are dropping significantly in terms in comparison to mobile views. Yeah. The amount of people who are like watching TV is dropping significantly into live streaming, into YouTube, into everything else, right? So everyone's on mobile, everyone's on their phone. And you don't, my, I guess my little saying for this is you're not going to go fishing where there's no fish. Hmm. So if you're going to go fishing, I want to find the most populated lake, the most populated, you know, part of the ocean or whatever to go fishing at so that when I do it, it's effective. Now, in order to create an effective platform, if you're on Instagram, everyone's already watching you anyway. Yep. So all you have to do is add the value there and then bring them in. People, people respect authenticity. People respect um, people who take time to respect them. So if I'm on Instagram, I'm adding value. I'm respecting my audience. My audience respects me now. I can build up those relationships. It's so much more easier to sell if that's your goal. It's so much more easier to sell as a company. And then if I have, let's say, a million followers as Nike. Nike has like 63 million or something like that. But let's just say I have a million followers as whatever brand. If my million, and these are organic followings, so there's a big thing that we'll touch we'll touch on a little bit later uh, where people are buying like fake followers and engagement and stuff, which is counterproductive. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Sure. If you're buying fake engagement, it's horrible. Don't do it. I highly recommend you stay away from that and just take the time out, be patient and build organically. But let's just say we have a million organic followers. If I put out a product, that's my reach is probably going to be around 10%. So I'm probably going to hit like a hundred to 200,000 views. If it's a good engaged post, I'm going to get a hundred to 200,000 views. That's going to add up with all my posts to about like 10 million, 10 to 20 million impressions a week. If I'm doing about four posts a day for a week. Mm. So how much money do you pay for impressions on television? Yeah. Thousands and thousands of dollars for a small amount of impressions. Yep. And people aren't even watching the commercials. People aren't watching television. People are watching social media. So why fish where there's no fish? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And then when you have a million followers and you have them engaging, like organic followers actually engaging and liking and following your stuff, it adds credibility to your brand. And what that does is the number one thing that every salesperson knows or every successful salesperson knows <laughs> people buy from other people. So if I say, Hey Matt, where'd you get that watch? I'm probably interested in that watch. You're probably going to tell me it's a great watch. I got it from Rolex or Audemars Piguet or, you know, wherever. Um, and I'm going to say, you know what? That must be a good brand because I like Matt and Matt knows what he's talking about. So let me go check out Rolex and AP. See what I'm saying? Absolutely. So if I'm on Instagram and I've got a hundred comments on my photo of people saying, this is amazing. This is amazing. I love this. Those are like little testimonials that add up. So if another new person comes into my page and they see a million people commenting and liking and engaging with me, they're going to want to like, comment and engage too. They're going to feel a little bit more inclined versus me having a hundred followers, me following 5,000 people and only having one comment on my page. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So that, that's how it affects your business. Don't fish where there's no fishes. Well, and with, with the Instagram stories that were released here in the last uh, couple months, uh, it seems like Instagram is, is not only here to stay, but is here to compete with some of the other platforms like Snapchat. How has that changed the game for your business? It hasn't changed the game at all. It's actually made it a little bit more interesting. Um, with Instagram's doing Instagram's not even at its peak yet, in my opinion. Yep. Right. So if I'm going to back any platform, I'm going to back Instagram because Instagram's also being backed by Facebook. Right. And Mark, Mark Zuckerberg is a genius and he has more than enough revenue or capital to create whatever platform he wants on Instagram to compete with anyone else or not even compete, but dominate any other platform. Yep. So the only other platform and it's kind of out of this, lead kind of thing is YouTube because it's all video based and video is the way to go. Um, and that's YouTube's a giant. YouTube's not going anywhere ever. Okay. So Instagram with Instagram stories, um, in relation to Snapchat stories. So Snapchat is just stories. 
right? So although people get crazy amounts of views on there, it's definitely a great platform. I'm not discrediting Snapchat. It's just not my thing. I like having that diversity where I can post an Instagram story and then I can post a photo and then I can message people and I can comment and, you know, go back and forth. Um, and I can comment to people publicly so that everyone can see it and everyone can engage, not just my comment to them privately in a message. So it does so much more for me on one platform than Snapchat does. And I like kind of being niche, right? So Instagram would be my niche. If you know, you're doing great on Snapchat, keep going, keep doing your thing or whatever. Instagram's just my world. It's a great world to be in considering that it just continues to grow and add new features like the stories. Um, you, you did touch on video briefly. Um, I have seen you know some of the larger Instagram pages leveraging video in their feed. Um, why do you choose to use that or not use that uh, in, in terms of posts and updates on Instagram? Videos actually um, going back started my entire like transition to meeting my mentors and to like getting into more of the business part of the Instagram world and getting me where I'm at today. So when I was starting in the military and I was um, looking for that mentor and I began running uh, Cody's Instagram account, I started figuring out that all of these guys need video. They're all going to another guy for video. <clears throat> there was just one guy, he was charging crazy amounts of money for this video. So what I did was, okay, well, I'm already running this guy's Instagram. I'm already selling stuff. Why don't I learn how to generate another source of revenue, create videos, and sell all these guys' video packages everywhere because they have all the contacts, they have all the connections, I know everyone who needs it, and I can just add that in to part of the value that I bring for half the price. So I sat down for an entire weekend and YouTube how to use Final Cut Pro, started creating 15 second Instagram videos, got decent at it. I wasn't like a professional or the greatest. I got decent enough at it to start selling them. I started selling them and that's how I met Steve. Ah. So I sold Steve a 10 for 600 video. So I sold him 10 videos for 600 bucks. Um, <clears throat> 15 second videos. And when I began that relationship, I said, hey, Steve, if you don't like these videos, send them back. I'll refund your money and I'll send you back a fresh new 10 that you like. And we will keep working at it until you're satisfied with the result. So that immediately, I think, hit home for him. And he loved how I ran my business. And we started building up a relationship from there. And so, so obviously, you believe in the power of using uh, video on Instagram. What makes an effective video as opposed to as opposed to just a single snapshot? 100% believe in video. Um, and <clears throat> the difference with video is, I mean, you get more views than you get likes and, and comments. So think about this. If I'm on Instagram and I'm like scrolling through or whatever and I see a photo I like, I might like it. I might take the time to like it. I might take the time to comment if it's really good and resonates with me. Or if I, I had the time to. A lot of people don't have the time to. A lot of people are like scrolling through and they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Scrolling through, that's pretty cool. And just keep scrolling or get distracted with a million and one other things. Those videos take into account just people looking at it, even if they don't have time to engage with it at that time that they looked at it. Because you get distracted with a million things. You could be looking at a photo, your phone rings and you're off to the next thing. But you really wanted to comment and engage on that photo, but you got distracted with a million and one other things, right? So having that view count kind of like lets me know what my reach truly is, how many people actually has have put eyes on this, which kind of gives you a better gauge to price things, kind of like YouTube. So when YouTube people look at it, they look at impressions and reach and everything else. Now it's the same for Instagram. And I think the most effective way to do it, people are using 60 second long videos because Instagram's released that. I think 15 second long videos convert better because I don't want, I'm, I'm spoiled now. I've been having 15 second videos, which gives me back 45 seconds of my time. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So this is another thing where you have to respect your audience. Don't make your audience sit there for a 60 second video. And it might not seem like a long time to you, but it's definitely a long time to your audience. I don't want to sit there and watch a 60 second video and waste 60 seconds of my life. Just like you don't want to sit there and pump gas for five cents more down a block. You'd rather drive two blocks away and get it for five cents cheaper. That makes so much sense. That makes all the sense in the world. So if I'm on Instagram and I'm getting a 60 second video, it's probably not going to convert me. I'm probably going to be over 
the curiosity of I need to go engage with this guy. Mm -hmm. 15 seconds is like a flash. You know what I mean? You're just getting it like, oh, well, what what was that? I I probably need to go check this guy out. That was pretty cool. Let me see what else he has. And and it's because we're spoiled on Instagram, just like we're, I mean, in a sense, spoiled with gas, where it's like, I don't want to pay 10 more cents. I don't want to pay 20 more cents. And it's only 10, 20 more cents, which results in like maybe like four or five more bucks. But we don't want to pay that four or five more bucks at all. And you don't want to spend 45 more seconds on Instagram at all. But I mean, some people do, and it still works for some people, but I recommend shorter clips at most 20 seconds. Don't waste your viewers time. Even if you think you're adding tons of value, don't waste your viewers time. If they want to engage, they're going to engage. What are the big brands that are doing this well? And these can be clients of yours, uh, or they could just be big brands that you respect on Instagram. Uh, Nike's dominating. Nike dominates like the entire athletic world, in my opinion. Yeah. So they, they've got video. They've got a relationship with Kevin Hart now where they have um, – Kevin Hart has his own line of sneakers now with Nike. And they've just been doing a great job overall on Instagram. Another thing is, um, now that you mentioned that, and I'll touch on this really briefly so we can get back, you don't have to have 10 million followers. You just have to control 10 million followers. You don't have to take five to 10 million years to build up that following because these followings take time. Yeah, You're either going to spend two things, time or money. You decide. So if you don't have the money to spend on it, put in the time to admin these accounts, run these accounts, whatever. I do page management as well as part of one of my services. So do these things and it doesn't, you don't even have to be paid for it. If you're a starting entrepreneur, you don't have a lot of money, use your time. You have a ton of time, pay it forward. And then later on down the line, you're going to, opportunities are going to open up for you that you'd never dreamed of. So just take the time and do that. But let's get back to, (laughs) (laughs) let's get back to um, the real question. So a lot of my um, influencers that I work with, I mean, Gary Vee is one of them. I actually have a package going on with Gary Vee right now where we're promoting him. And he's he's a huge influencer as well on social media. Yeah, he he prides himself job. on being one of a, the top social gurus or the social guru. And yeah, he definitely does a phenomenal job. And we're working with him and his team, which are great as well. Um, but he's definitely one of them. And there's tons of like, you know, bracelet companies and watch companies that we work with as well. But what these guys are doing, especially Gary Vee, is utilizing video, utilizing every aspect of this social media platform to leverage and expand and scale his businesses. So right now, Gary has like a 60 second thing coming out, a 60 second video giveaway coming out in 2017, where he's like giving away one random thing to um, <clears throat> whoever comments within like 60 seconds of his you know, post. Um, whether it's like, I think he's mentioned like a car, he mentioned a house, he mentioned like a pair of Yeezys, a, just, just random great prizes that he's going to be giving away in 2017 every day. I believe it's every day. Don't quote me on that, but I believe it's every day to, you know, just random people. And, and I think that's going to be phenomenal. I think that's a great way to boost engagement. It's a great way to get your community involved. Cause it's all about building a solid community and fan base. And if they follow you everywhere, if you have a solid fan base, you can, you can use that influence mm. to do almost anything on Instagram. And you have to make sure you do that in a positive way that adds value to people's lives. Cause just as easy as you can sell someone, you can destroy someone. You know what I mean? So you want to be careful how you use that influence, but he's doing it in such a phenomenal way. And I highly respect his way in um, using that platform to grow his businesses. So you, you mentioned a lot of the brands that you're working with. Obviously, there are a lot of people listening to this who would love to learn more about how they could benefit from your services. If people want to learn about uh, your agency and, and what you do, where do they need to go? Oh, they just need to go to ambitionmedia.co. I'm working on getting the .com right now, so bear with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for now, you can go to ambitionmedia.co. If you have any questions, you can always uh, contact me via Instagram at Law of Ambition. Uh, if I change my Instagram handle, I'll let you guys know. I'll, I'll make <laughs> it public somehow. And if I do, it's probably going to be at Ambition. That's probably the only name I would change into ever. So for now, it's Law of Ambition. And you can find me on Instagram there. I don't really 
again, I don't go on Facebook much. I don't go on Snapchat or Twitter or anything like that. So if you want to contact me, the best way to contact me is via Instagram at Law of Ambition. I do read my messages. I do read my comments. I do engage with my audience because I respect you guys' time and coming out just to engage with me. So I would definitely engage back. Well, I can corroborate that too because that's how you and I connected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lewis, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story, uh, your passion, your ambition, uh, your influence on Instagram, as well as your expertise and influence on Instagram. I look forward to seeing uh, what 2017 holds for you and your business. And uh, we've got a, a loyal audience here that will be eager to watch your rise as you continue to climb the ranks. Thank you. I appreciate that, Mick. And I appreciate you having me on the show. I mean, you're doing a phenomenal job with this podcast and all your businesses. So I look forward to seeing what you guys do in 2017 as well. Thanks so much. I took Lewis's advice to heart and have decided to do something crazy. I want to first start with Instagram to share my life and experiences in the authentic, thoughtful way that Lewis outlined in this interview. So I took my personal account at Hunkler on Instagram, which already had almost 6,000 followers and started over completely with a brand new account. I'm sharing the craziest photos from my adventures leading the Verge and Powder Keg teams while featuring some of my hobbies like drawing, guitar, and basketball. So hit me up at Hunkler, that's H-U-N-C-K-L-E-R on Instagram, and we'll keep learning this platform together. While you're at it, you can follow Powder Keg on Instagram, that's at Powder Keg, uh, which we also started as a brand new account. We share some of the best advice, quotes, and behind-the-scenes snapshots from these interviews and our Powder Keg community. That's you guys. We're going to be doing a giveaway starting at the new year with some of the books, tools, and gear mentioned in the show. That's it for today's episode of Powder Keg Igniting Startups. Make sure you follow Lewis at Law of Ambition on Instagram. Let him know you listen to the show here. Drop him a comment. Let him know how he can help because he authentically wants to help entrepreneurs all over the world. He's doing it with his company, Ambition Media, which you can learn more about at ambitionmedia.co. You can get full show notes and a transcript on our website, powderkeg.co. Make sure you check out the newsletter there. Subscribe. Um, we're also asking that you subscribe on iTunes. So don't forget to subscribe on iTunes so you can hear all of our upcoming interviews. We've got guests like Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, Emerson Sparts from Dose.com, and Kara Nortman from Upfront Ventures coming up soon on Powder Keg Igniting Startups. <laughs>